The Bucket List with Beefy and Diana Simons. The Bucket List with me, Beefy, the world's biggest sports fan, and Diana Simons. Diana, Saturday morning, it's a stinker in Melbourne. Oh, it is. Actually, it makes me wonder, is summer actually over? I thought it was autumn. It's still going. It's been, what, 38, 39 most of the week? It's been, oh, it's been crucial. There's been a few signs this week that summer has been kicking in again. First of all, my fan broke, my $20 fan from Bunnings that I've had for years. Really? Yeah. Can't, can't get a new one? Well, I could, but, I, you know... They're not is, paying you enough, Di. They're not paying you enough. It's the end of summer, and it's like, you know, it's the point of it. Also, the other thing is my thong broke. Oh, Hello. My left thong. Oh, your left thong. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, it's I'm from the UK. You know what? You know what you mean when it says when you say thong. Oh, it's the same as America. You people are weird. Yeah, we are. Anyway, it's really sad because these are my stray day thongs. Like oh. my mum bought the whole family a pair. Well, they're the... only a couple of weeks old. <laughs> no, <laughs> we've had it longer than my thongs, but um, we've had them for years because my mum buys them from the two dollars shop. They've got Australian flags all over them, and they're so comfortable. We've got these. Everyone has these great bogan thongs in the family, and we, we love them. We really do. And on top of that, I was in hospital uh, last week for oh, a day no procedure. Good. No, I'm fine. And I was quite taken back because you can actually get a pair of paper underwear they give you to wear. Paper underwear? Yeah, they're really cool. I was thinking to myself, these are awesome because imagine if you go travelling, you would never have to wash another pair of undies again. Environmentally friendly too. The only thing is these were not the, the best looking ones. It looked like you're wearing <laughs> uh, a shower cap. <laughs> but, you know, it would be nice if you get them like in a little G-string or something. Oh, yeah. But, you know, how cool would that be, like, if you could buy them at a travel shop? For instance, with you, how many days did you travel for? For 12 months, solid. Okay, so they say that guys can wear their underwear four times. Yes. I don't know how that quite works. Well, it's forwards, backwards, inside out forwards, inside out backwards, four times. It's amazing. Women only have one way of wearing them. (laughs) Anyway, imagine if you had a vending machine there. It would be so cool. If you go to Tokyo, they've got everything in vending machines. I do know for a fact there is underwear vending machines. For the businessman that stays out all night... But are there paper vending machines? Well, I'm not sure about that. I think it's just they just randomly buy underwear. So we could just start our own business. I don't know if anyone's going to buy it apart from you and I, but that would be funny. It's funny, though. When I was on the Gold Coast, I noticed they actually had thong vending machines. They do. I have seen them. $5, I think, and you can buy an emergency pair of thongs. If you get that blowout, you know, when you're running along and you blow your thongs out, you can just chuck your $5 in the vending machine. I think it was more like 20 but I oh, mean... Was Durrells actually thinks, well, I really need a new pair of thongs. Well, you know what? If you're going out clubbing on the Gold Coast, you need your going out thongs. But you can't get into a nightclub wearing thongs, Beefy. You can in the Gold Coast, I tell you. Yeah, just no bare feet. You might even be able to get into the casino wearing thongs for all I know as well. You can at the old uh, down there, Broad Beach. Hilarious. Uh, we got a, a really action-packed uh, morning talking about, you know, your undies. You might need a new pair if you're going to the Avalon <laughs> Air Show. We'll find True. out exactly what you can expect today at the Avalon Air Show. Yeah, I can't wait for that. And uh, we've got Collingwood legend, Dane Swan. He's going to join us as well and tell us all about his bucket list items. Yeah, that's going to be fantastic. Yeah. been an interesting uh, week in the world of tennis at the uh, Mexican Open. Yes, and Nick Kyrgios, still going strong. What a week he's had. Knocked over Rafael Nadal. He's just beaten Stanislav Wawrinka. What a week he's having, but... You... Serving underarm against Nadal? What's going on there? But isn't that brilliant? I mean, it's allowed. And, and I mean, it is allowed. The point of playing is to actually to do something new, uh, if you can, that actually stokes your opponent. True, although it's not quite in the spirit of the game, serving underarm at tennis, but uh, I agree with you. He takes it to another level, does Nick, doesn't he? It brings the fans in. That's but what it's all about. It seems like he's turned into a bit of a new age John McEnroe, too, with his tantrums. Very what do you reckon? True. 
actually, he's got McEnroe in his corner a lot of the time. He backs true. him up and yeah. uh, tells him, you know, I think uh, McEnroe could be a guiding light into the career of Kyrgios as we go further. Yeah, but you see, the crowd has been booing him. I don't he, think he notices. He stands there and he puts his hand up to the ear, his ear and he sort of encourages them <laughs> to boo him even more, which is really bizarre. It obviously works for him. Yeah, well, longevity is going to be a thing, though, isn't it, with, uh, with Kyrgios? Because he's, he's going to upset too many people along the journey, I think. He is a really interesting chap, though. But um, what a talent. What a talent. And if he really harnesses himself, you know, some of the greats have said he could be, including Chris Ebert-Lloyd, has said he could be one of the most amazing players. Mm. He's very interesting, though, Kyrgios. As you can imagine, it's a Greek surname. His father is Greek. And his mother's actually Malay. She's from Malaysia. Oh, yeah. She was a member of the Selangor royal family, but she dropped her title as a princess when she moved to Australia in her 20s. Wow. Interesting, it's, hey? So Nick Kyrgios is royalty. Well, yeah. Malaysian royalties in the blood. So maybe that's why he's, he's throwing those tantrums. Hey, did you see about uh, F1 champ as well, Lewis Hamilton? Yes. Allegedly, the sex tape with Nicole Scherzinger, pussycat doll extraordinaire, was released or hacked. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not quite sure how they get them from the cloud. I actually have a thought on that. I wonder oh whether that she actually leaked it herself. Oh, probably trying to stay relevant. Relevant, yeah. That's, do you know what? You're probably on the money because I don't know whether you've ever seen that photo when Hamilton won the World Championship. He's still in his full kit. He's got the helmet on and Scherzinger has run up and kissed him on the helmet. No, not that helmet, Di. The racing helmet. Very, very passionate. Yeah, so it's one of the most awkward and just, oh, just an awful photo. It just looks so bad and you can just tell, one, he's really not that into her and two, she's desperately trying to get on the front page. Yeah, and if you haven't seen the photo, you've put that up on the I'll Facebook I'll put it up on, the, on our Facebook page. Please check out the Bucket List show on Facebook as well. Uh, a load of stuff there. Giveaways and all sorts. Back to Nicole Scherzinger, for instance. Yes. Um, apparently, it wasn't that much of a, a saucy movie. Not wasn't that I've it? seen it. That's well, not surprising. It's, it is Lewis Hamilton after all. Yeah, but he's... He's the most boring man on she, the planet. She didn't seem to be that taken with him. It, it turned out that he was more into his cars and his women. Of course. Of course he is. He's Mind just, you, have you ever talked to... Have you ever heard Nicole Scherzinger talk? I've heard her sing. Well, that's true. She's not that interesting. Really? Yeah. Well, maybe they're well suited together. Probably. But you were saying he was more into his cars than uh, than actually her? Yeah, absolutely. He used to say, I'm taking my two girls out tonight. One's my favourite and the other one's welcome to come along. Oh, no. Uh, you know which one that was? That was Nicole Scherzinger. Good on, Lewis. We've got a caller into the bucket list. It's Non from St Kilda. How are you going, Non? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Not too bad at all. Now, Little Bird tells me you went to the polo. How was it? I did. It was great. I didn't know what to expect because, obviously, you've got the, the Portsea polo, which is quite formal, and, and this was just down the road from where I live, and I thought, why not just go and have a look? It's a chance to get dressed up, be with the uh, the glamorous polo uh, glitterati, so that was fun. It was quite interesting because they had a little charity thing attached to it where they did a treasure hunt in the sand. You know, whoever found the key that was under the sand got to open a box that revealed a $5,000 necklace. So ah. my biggest regret of the day was not, not taking part. So um, oh. I thought that was a really neat little idea next year. Hey, Non, what, what are the Argentinian polo players like? Quite small, actually, surprisingly short. <laughs> but, really? Um, Do um, shorter polo players need bigger mallets? 
I don't know. That's something I could have asked, really, but maybe I'd have been thrown out to ask you. <laughs> I thought probably best not for the marquee. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yes, but all very glamorous, and lots of people were sort of milling around at the end. It was actually a very informal feel compared to the Porto Polo, so I'd definitely go again. And the fact that it's so close to the city just makes it that much more convenient. You can pop down after work on a Friday, so it was, yeah. you know, it was just far easier to get to. What is on your bucket list? Probably be to get to the World Cup and see what they can convert there. I once realised I was in a pub in Cardiff next to what I thought was Sam Warburton, the Welsh captain, and then realised as he left that it was Sam Warburton. Missed my opportunity completely. And I've met Graham Henry on a train leaving the Sydney Stadium after the British Lions won the last Australian tour. So I actually was on the train stood next to Graham Henry. That was my claim to fame. Non, been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for uh, joining us on the bucket list. Great stuff, Non. Cheers. The Bucket List with Beefy and Diana Simons. Beefy, I had a self-diagnosed condition. I called it Netflix neck. Oh, really? <laughs> I was lying on the couch too much, watching too much TV, and my neck was just in one position, and, man, that really hurt. Do you know, um, do you know a few years ago, yeah. one of the weirdest injuries in all of football, Rio Ferdinand, who was England captain, played centre-back for uh, England and Man United, all those, he fell asleep with his feet up watching TV and tore the ligament in the back of his knee when he fell asleep. He was <laughs> out, out for months. You're on the bucket list with me, Beefy and Diana Simons, and what an absolute pleasure it is. Collingwood legend, AFL great, Dane Swan is joining us to talk us through sports he loves, sports he wants to go and see, and everything else in between. Dane, morning. How you going, guys? Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming aboard, Dane. Tell us, you, you've had an absolutely stellar career. Have you actually achieved your bucket list dreams within your career? Well, I guess I won an AFL premiership, which is probably the, the, the pinnacle of... You know, AFL certainly. When I was a kid, I probably never thought I'd play AFL, let alone do what I did. So I was never on the bucket list because I'd never in a million years dreamed I'd be doing it. Um, I've definitely ticked that off, which is which has been fantastic. Now I get to see you on TV at a hell of a lot of sporting events, Dane. What are your favourite yeah. sports, and what do you what do you get out, and what's a must see for you? Uh, clearly, I, the sport I probably go to the most is AFL, just purely because it's, I live in Melbourne and, it's, and I play there, and I get free tickets to go watch Collingwood. So that's where I go. But, you know, I was at the UFC a few weeks ago in Melbourne. I love the UFC and, you know, I've been to it in Madison Square Garden and obviously try to go to as much as I can when it's in Australia. The NBA is probably my favourite. Clearly, I don't live in the States, so it's very hard to get to. But um, I try and I get over there, you know, once or twice a year and try and watch a few games. But in general, I, mean, I like all sports. I think live sport is an amazing event, no matter sort of what it is. Once you're there, it's, it's great to watch. So I try to go to as much live sport as I can, you're to be honest. A, you're a man after my own heart. That's uh, my ethos in life, too. Just out of curiosity, Absolutely. Dane, you're known for playing AFL. Had you ever thought about, you know, if, if I didn't play AFL, I wouldn't have minded doing this sport professionally was there any other sport you you kind of have a bit of a liking for definitely would have chosen a uh, nba or nfl or baseball one of those sports where you make 40 million a year yeah. for sure over I mean, football just there was one problem i wasn't good at any of them 
that kind of sucks. But man, I clearly I would have loved to have played in the NBA. Um, but you need to be athletic, and, and I'm certainly not. So that, but I really don't regret playing footy. It was the one I was okay at. So managed to sneak a career up. But I loved my 14, 15 years at Collingwood, and I certainly look back with very fond memories and extremely glad that I got to, to play something that I loved for as long as I did. Talking of the NFL, did the NFL ever come calling to try and convince you just to kick a ball for the rest of your life? Jeez, it would be nice if I had it. I would have seriously thought about it. But the other problem is I couldn't kick it as far as the rest of them. So True. if they wanted me to handball it out, it would be all right. That was probably my <laughs> go. But I don't think they're looking for handballers. I've kicked it a couple of times, but it's not as easy as everyone thinks, no. I think, to get that ball right and how accurate they have to be. And would have loved to have been able to walk out, kick a ball three or four times a game, then go back inside and, and do what I like. So it would have been fantastic. Uh, but you know, once again, I wasn't good enough. And pick up a cup of miller season just for doing that. Jeez, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Hey, Dane, uh, it's interesting because there's quite a few Aussies playing that particular sport. Why do you think the Aussie uh, ex-AFL players make good kickers? Well, I think because we grow up kicking the ball, obviously. So, um, you know, a lot of the, the Americans, you know, that they, they're they throwing the ball, they're pitching a ball, baseball, or, you know, they're shooting a, a basketball into a ring. So a lot of them, and soccer's only just becoming popular over there. So not a lot of them use their feet. And I guess punting over there was, was probably viewed as, you know, the, the lowest on the totem pole of the... the um, the spots to play in the NFL. So but because we grow up kicking the ball, and that's what we do when we kick it far all the time, I think it's a, probably a natural uh, pathway for the guys who have enormous kicks but probably don't make it to the AFL. They're not really risking anything by going over there and spending a bit of time on it. So I think that's why you'll find more and more Australians go over there and there's a heap in college trying to make it to the AFL mm. because it's a natural skill for us. We grow up kicking the ball both feet. just easy for us as soon as they hone in on the skill of kicking their ball, I think. Um, they can transition a lot faster than maybe some of the Americans. I think as well, the versatility, and we've seen with Michael Dixon this year, who's drop-kicking the ball as well, which is just, it's blown the Americans away. They don't know what to make of it. But even um, uh, Ben Graham, who used to kick end over end, which they never saw for a long time as well, that he actually changed the, the way punters kick in the States. So it's, uh, the Aussies have really changed the game over there. Yeah, exactly. So you know, They call it end over end. We call it a drop punt. That's how we were taught to kick the ball. So... The Americans were sort of freaking out a little bit about why the ball spins back when it hits the ground and, like, just it's a bit harder to catch than we call it the torpedo. They probably call it just a normal punt. So because we're used to kicking and um, kicking bananas and check sides and stuff, we can get the ball to spin sort of whichever way we want. So yeah, Mike Wixson and Cam Johnson, they're probably the two big ones at the moment from Philly and from Seattle that are reinventing the punting game, which is amazing. And it obviously will give um, young hopefuls in Australia who kick the ball long way who actually probably aren't skilled enough to make it to the AFL a pathway to try and you know earn a living over there. Yeah, I always love Ben Graham's story about how he invented the mongrel and the Americans still still don't realise he was taking the piss. But, uh, look, yeah. we're, we're talking about the bucket list. And, Dane, what is on your bucket list? You've obviously been to quite a few things, and uh, I know that there are massive sporting events. You do get to the States quite a bit. What is there left for you to tick off? Um, maybe the Olympics, the Olympic 100-metre final or something. I, did the, I went to Russia for the World Cup this year. That was amazing. That was, on, that was certainly on it. The Olympics, maybe. About the Olympics, I, I didn't go to that in Sydney because I was, I was playing footy. And probably the Super Bowl. Yeah. And I'll be waiting for the right year, and it's in Miami next year. And that yes. sounds like a city I'd enjoy. So <laughs> I think I'll probably tick off the Super Bowl next year. But apart from that, off the top, man, I can't really, really... I mean, a mega... I've done the boxing, but um, I guess someone will pop up. You know, I love to watch, you know, sports stars and, um, you know, the best of the best. So um, I'm sure there'll be another great person in some sport come up at some stage I'll have to see before my time's up but but off the top of the head just the Olympics and probably um, NBA finals and the Super Bowl yeah.
Yeah, Magic. That'd, that'd be pretty cool. Hey, Dane, any thoughts on the AFLX? I don't think it's probably for the people my age. I guess the adults probably can take it or leave it, but... If there's a market there for the kids, and if the kids love it and watching, you know, plays from different sides gets together and they make it a fun event to be there, well, I'm not going to get in the way of stopping it. But you know, Ice probably wouldn't have played it if I was playing. But if the kids like it, well, then, you know, they should play. It doesn't really hurt them one weekend a year, just running around, no tackling, just getting some running the legs. But, geez, if I'd hate someone to do a knee or something next. I reckon it would be the last year that it had happened. But, um, yeah, I don't really have, I don't have a problem with it, but, but I'm certainly not going to watch it. No. Dane, thanks for joining us this morning. Absolutely brilliant. Great to hear some insight about some different sports and what's happening stateside. Absolute pleasure. All the best for the weekend, and we will chat to you again fairly soon. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me. Now, here's an interesting question for you. Which is the biggest sports star in terms of who's actually managed to join the Billionaires Boys Club? There's only really one, I reckon. Mm. Michael Jordan. So he's gone over the billion-dollar mark now. Well, there's a whole lot of reports about how much he's actually worth. You know, they all yeah. vary on the internet. One of them is between, you know, $1.65 billion. But, I mean, that's a lot of money. You know, give or take a few... <laughs> yeah, it is a lot of a money. A few million in between, though. You know, he's a mad gambler. Is he? He plays a lot of golf. Basically, on course, he'll play a hole with other high rollers for like $200,000 per hole. So, I mean, what would that be the equivalent for you and I playing if we made a bet? Oh, 50 bucks. $20? Yeah, basically. (laughs) 20 cents? Yes. But, you know, it's amazing because he retired 15 years ago. He's still making big bucks. Well, Nike pay him a lot of money every year for his Air Jordans. They're still the go-to shoe in the States. Have you ever had a pair of those? No. Neither have I. I'm not a basketballer. No, well, that, that's true. It's yeah. true. No, you're not tall enough to be a basketballer. I don't think I'm even that fashion conscious either, Di. I'm sitting here in my uh, flip-flops and my uh, T-shirt. Anyway, he earned around $100 million in his salary during his 15-year NBA career. And now he spends his money buying big houses, custom planes and golf courses as custom well. Custom planes, because yeah. you need that, don't you? And uh, he also bought the Charlotte Hornets. He did. Yeah. $275 oh, million in 2010. Yeah. Guess how much they're worth now? Ah, oh, probably less. Two hundred million. No, one billion. The Charlotte Hornets. Yeah. Oh, wow, there you go. I yeah. didn't see that coming. This is much more he made than when he actually uh, was actually in, in the NBA because he was oh, making yeah. ninety three point eight million dollars back then. The NBA players, I think, the highest contract spent twenty five million a year. So was that's he, now. Was he that an amazing player? Oh yeah, the best ever. So I believe he makes about a quarter of a billion a year from Nike still. What would you do with all that money, though? Seriously. That's it. That's why you gamble. Yes, it's crazy. It's a bucket list, and right now we are down to the Avalon Air Show. As we speak to Tom Bennett, how is it going down at the Avalon Air Show? That must be exciting. It's the second day. Yeah, it is monumental. Last year we had a record total crowd of 210,000. Whoa. Again, we're expecting more than 200,000. It is one of the world's great air shows. What kind of one-off aircrafts have you got on display this year? Basically, we've got five sorts of aircraft at the air show. Military heavy metal, fighter jets and bombers, B-52 bomber, that sort of thing. Then we've got vintage warbirds, which are World War II aircraft that have been restored by private owners, take part in various heritage flights at the air show and displays. And on top of that, we have got some of the world's best aerobatic uh, acts in the world today. What sort of aerobatic acts do they have? These are people that do stunt flying, you know, upside down, loop the loop and inside loops and outside loops. Uh, aircraft that cross each other just a couple of metres apart uh, while they're flying upside down, all those sorts of things. It's really 
hugely exciting stuff. Yeah, how do they do that without getting dizzy, I always wonder? No, I, I'm blowed if I know, but they're certainly very good at it. Now, a couple of years ago, Tom, I went to Dubai for the World Air Games. I ran into two girls that were part of the Breitling Wing Walking Display Team. Is there any yes. wing walkers at the air show this year? We do have wing walkers that will be uh, walking around while on the wings and across the engine cowling while the aircraft is doing its stunt flying. Right. Hang on, so they walk across the wings while they while flying. it's flying yes. upside down. Oh, uh, oh, yes, while they're doing all sorts of things. Sometimes they're on the they're standing up up straight next to the wheels when the aircraft is upside down. That's crazy. Do they go from one aircraft to the to the next, or do they stand on one? No, they stay on the one. Are they crazy? The, uh, are they crazy? I guess they are. Uh, we're going to ask Di the question. Would you stand on top of a plane while it flies around and does displays? Probably not. No. No, no, no. I think when they apply for the job, the first question they ask is, are you a little bit crazy? And if they don't answer, yeah, hell yeah, then they don't get the job. I actually interviewed yeah. one of the Breitling girls that was part of this display team, and she actually heard an ad on the radio. That's how she applied for the job. And is that right? Yeah, she's crazy. <laughs> Living life dangerously. <laughs> Tom, what is the most popular event? Personally, I like World War II aircraft. Spitfires, Kitty Hawks, we've got a Hudson Bomber. Oh, we've got three World War One designed aircraft too. Wow. Um, I think most people like the modern military jets, like the Hornet, the F-22 Raptor, and of course Australia's new superstar of the air, the Joint Strike Fighter. The layman, we call them just the noisy ones. How noisy is the whole event, out of curiosity? I think on a scale of 1 to 10, it's about, about 93. Oh, okay. <laughs> noisy. Are we talking higher than the Grand Prix or a bit lower? Much higher, yeah. Wow. See, I don't know. I would have thought much higher. Than yeah, it is. Certainly our, our attractions go a lot quicker. Phenomenal. The Avalon Air Show. Thank you so much, Tom Bennett. On the line, we've got Carrie from Brighton. Hey, Carrie, you went off to see the um, John McEnroe movie. You won a double pass to that. Did you enjoy the movie? I did enjoy it. The best part, I really thought, was bouncing back into the 80s there yeah. with the old classic Atari adverts and uh, Lacoste and the tracksuits there. Very, uh, the old very, Sergio uh, Tashinis. That's what we uh, what he used to wear, wasn't it? Yeah, do you know what it made <laughs> me wonder? I was just thinking the other day, in this movie, they're all wearing the sweatbands and the headbands, but you don't really see those in tennis anymore, do you? Don't I don't think so, no. <laughs> it's one fad that's uh, gone by, I think. Well, what do you reckon, Beefy? Was it a fad or did it actually have a use? Oh, I used to get very sweaty playing tennis, so, yeah, I used to soak up the sweat. But, I mean, like, do, do tennis players not get as sweaty these days? Like, what do they do for their they're, sweat? They're pampered now. Oh, they get a towel after every point, don't they? Ball boy has to run over with a towel for them and they have to dampen their little wet face. So these are pre... They never used to do that in the 80s. Pre-towel days. Were you amazed, uh, Carrie, as to, like, you know, John McEnroe's athleticism? That was the one thing that I really took away from that. He was quite an amazing player, wasn't he? Actually, that's such a, a good point because especially today, like the rackets are, you know, so much bigger and stronger. Like it was really pure tennis and his athleticism definitely shone through. So quick to the ball and so quick to serve and volley. You don't see that as much now as you did back then either. I did I have to admit, I did quite like uh, revisiting his tantrums. <laughs> <laughs> did you feel sorry for him? I did a bit because I think he was 
kind of actually an introvert who became an extrovert or had to be an extrovert, you know, there for the photos, there for the publicity. Actually, one thing, it was quite interesting when he was being filmed, he was in absolute concentration mode. And in the movie, they were saying you could actually hear the photographers and and cameramen, the the rewinding of their um, tapes. You don't get that now. And it really disturbed his concentration. So I think there was uh, not enough acknowledgement about how amazing the photographers were and, and the people actually reporting on him. I'm going to tell you a quick story. I went to Wimbledon in 1992. I went with a friend from New Zealand. We sat there. On match point, we were on court number one, and my mate took a photo, and it hit the end of the film and started rewinding, and the whole place went silent. The play got stopped, and this was match point. I'm not joking. And we nearly got turfed out of Wimbledon because he didn't realise it was number 24 on the on his camera. Aww. And uh, we had these girls sitting next to us who stood up and started pointing to him and everything. And uh, probably one of the most embarrassing moments of my life, weirdly enough. Oh, my gosh. Film shamed. Film shamed. <laughs> on match point. He was, yeah. Actually, Beefy, you reminded me of a story once when I was uh, watching on the ground for golf. And I couldn't quite see. <laughs> so I moved and it was the end of a play. And I, I'm, I'm quite embarrassed. I can't remember who was playing then. But it was like a $350,000 shot. Whoa. They stopped playing. <laughs> I asked me to move because <laughs> I was in direct line of the uh, last last hit of the day. So, oh. yeah, I can relate to your story. Nice. <laughs> Where was this? It was in Melbourne. Oh, Beef, you probably know. Which are the good golf? Uh, Kingston courts? Heath. Yeah, it was King Smith. That was it. This wasn't around the Tiger Woods era, was he? When he came over? No, it was actually Bree Tiger Woods. Oh, okay. So way back. <laughs> and they're so polite with golf. You know, they're just absolute gentle people, if that's technically correct to say. <laughs> and they're like, they just stop play. Could you move to the side, please? I'm like, I couldn't see. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Very good. You could be our official sports film reviewer, Kerry. Be happy to. There you go. There's a role for everyone. Okay, thank you. Cheers, bye. You're listening to The Bucket List on SEN Plus 1377. Hey, you know, Colin Kaepernick has actually settled out of court with the NFL. Has he? Nobody knows, though, uh, how much it is. It's very private or uh, whether this will actually revive his career with the NFL. Yeah, I've actually read it's anything between $1 and $20 million. The rumour is in the settlement he's banned from playing NFL ever again, which may mean he may possibly take up rugby. Rugby, that would be interesting. Yeah, it's the biggest uh, rugby event in the US calendar this weekend. It is an absolute belt. The Las Vegas Sevens, it is an absolute party in the desert. Got to go in fancy dress as well, Di. What would be your go-to fancy dress costume? Ah, beefy, I think I'd go as a donkey. Really? <laughs> a donkey? Why is that? Then I could make an ass of myself. Bit like that joke. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. I went as a I went as the ultimate warrior a few years ago to another event. Yeah. So I dressed up in my big pants, painted my face, put the tassels on my biceps. Um, it was very cold though. Oh, I was still laughing at my joke. Um, I can imagine you going. <laughs> You're the only one. I can imagine you going as a sumo wrestler. So, oh, the big nappy. Oh, yeah, Adult nappy. Actually, maybe not. Um, actually, when I went to the Vegas Sevens, when the sun went down, because you're in the desert, yeah. it got unbelievably cold. Is that right? And when people are dressed as big babies, they need to cover up because it literally dropped to about four, three or four degrees. What? During the day, it gets quite warm. What? As soon as that sun goes down. People dress as big babies? Oh, yeah. Really? Fancy dress. Are these men or women or both? Uh, generally men. I'm not, I'm not seeing a lot of women dressing up as big babies. Yeah, men are weird.
Yeah, I can vouch for that. Do you know what else kicks off this weekend? What else? In Alaska, it is the Iditarod big dog sled race. Oh, that would be fun. Yes. So they kick it off in Anchorage this weekend. So they have a ceremonial start where they put a little track through the main streets of Anchorage. But what they also do nowadays, you know the running of the bulls in Pamplona? Oh, yeah, that'd be so cool. Well, what they have at the start of the Iditarod is the running of the reindeer. Really? Yeah, you get to run, and then they release a herd of reindeer chasing you. That is so weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're Alaskan. There's not much to do in Anchorage, is there? Is that dangerous? Kind of, yeah. But it's a, like a huge race. It's like 500, 600 miles is the Iditarod. They do it over 10 days. You know, you get eight huskies towing your sled. Have you been on a husky sled? No, but I'd love to go to Anchorage to see the kickoff of that. But I want to see... People being chased by reindeers. I could imagine you actually doing that race dressed as Santa. Or as a big baby, or a sumo wrestler. <laughs> God, I didn't think so. The Bucket List with Beefy and Diana Simons. All right, we're back on The Bucket List with me, Beefy, the world's biggest sports fan, and Diana Simons. And as always, we have Dennis Ciccone from Sportsnet Holidays. This time, we're going to talk about Bathurst and the Mountain. Daniel, what a legendary sports event for Australia this is. It's the mecca of supercars here in Australia, and we're super excited about Bathurst. It's the biggest. The Bathurst 1000, it's a four-day event. Thursday's practice. Friday, they do a top 10 shootout where they, they qualify for the 10 fastest drivers for the Saturday to determine the starting order for race day on Sunday. 161 laps, which is which is absolutely crazy if you think about it. Uh, 300 points up for grabs, so double most races. So it can make or break some championship hope. The event is often uh, decided by just mere seconds each year, so it's a cracker. You talk about, you know, your win cups and your uh, scapes. They've won so many championships, but the one stat that everyone knows is how many Bathursts these drivers have won. This is the one everyone wants to win, uh, and this is the one that, that, that people talk about years and years after the event, so you are absolutely spot on. Now, we know it's on the side of a mountain. We know Bathurst isn't exactly huge. Accommodation is like the proverbial hen's teeth. Daniel, are you the man to talk to about actually getting to stay next to the circuit? We've worked tirelessly year in, year out to to secure accommodation. It's impossible to get. It's sold out years in advance. And yes, Beefy, we do. We have accommodation in the heart of Bathurst, uh, from hotels to motels. Uh, We have trackside accommodation. uh, And we also uh, have a deal with Tent City for for camping within Bathurst itself. So for those that want to stay in Bathurst, but on a little bit of a budget, uh, we can help them uh, with that as well. And you've got some fantastic dinners included as well. I like to think they're pretty iconic to the event. So on the Thursday night, we do a current driver's dinner. So 450 guests, we pack out the Panthers at Bathurst. Uh, We cannot get another person in. It's hosted by a supercars commentator. Uh, We'll have a panel of of current drivers, which in the past have included Frosty, uh, Mark Winterbottom, Fabian Coulthard, David Reynolds, Michael Caruso, etc., etc. And our clients get the opportunity to ask some questions. There'll be a live band. It's just, it's just a cracking 
working night and we repeat it all again on the Friday night, but we do it a little bit differently in that instead of having current drivers, we have a legends dinner. So past guests like Dick Johnson, Alan Moffat, John Bow, Greg Murphy, we've had them all. It's a really nice way to compliment your Bathurst 1000 weekend. Well, I've actually met Frosty. I say hi to him. I met him at least 10 years ago. I was queuing at Big W to get a uh, picture signed by him. I'm sure he'll remember me. God, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I will do. He's a, he's, a, he's a gentleman of the sport. Is it still one case per person per day as well in the middle of the track? I'm not sure if it is, but yeah, it used to be. There's a free shuttle that takes you up to the top of the mountain. So if you want to experience what it's like up there, you can jump on the free shuttle and have a look for yourself. Nice. 13th of October, oh, two, weeks. two weeks from the, the, the grand final this year. We have a, a four and five night package, hotel and motel in Bathurst itself, or for those that are on a little bit more of a budget, we have hotels in Orange, or otherwise, like I mentioned, we have our, our tent city camping packages as well in Bathurst town. So the proximity to the circuit is, is absolutely magic. Bathurst is generally on a lot of people's bucket lists. You can contact them, 1300 888 or sportsnetholidays.com. This is SEN 1377am. This is the Bucket List for Diana and Beefy. One of the best shows you'll ever hear on radio in Australia. From Gavin Wood, good night.